Welcome to our online service for Renewal. My name is Adri, and I'm so glad you're spending time with us today. Today, you'll hear from Pastor Jared and our worship team. We hope that you leave encouraged and changed for the better. Before that, I'd like to share a few ways that you can get connected during and after service. During the service, you can engage with others in our online community by introducing yourself and sharing where you're from, sending likes when you hear something you agree with, requesting prayer, following along with the message notes, or filling out the connection card at any time. Keep a lookout for the online hosts because they'll share helpful information and get you whatever you need. We're here to help you grow and to take the next right step. So be sure to fill out the online connection card so we can stay in touch with you throughout the week. If you'd like to give, you can go to renewalchurchboston.com give to give at any point. We believe the church is God's people gathered and we're excited to see God work in and through you. Our worship team is about to start. And after the talk from Pastor Jared, I'll be back to share more about next steps. Enjoy the service. Hey church, happy to have you with us today. You know, we have this unique opportunity right now with having church online to where we can reach a lot more people than we used to be able to where we were confined to a limited number of people because of the room that we were in. So what I'd encourage you guys to do right now, take a minute before the worship starts, while the worship is going, copy the link and share it with somebody that you think would benefit from hearing about um, what Pastor Jared is going to be talking about today, this um, triumph through trials. And let's worship. You're the treasure, you're 
Holy 
death and resurrection. Thank you for the power of your blood. I am overwhelmed by your affection, the kindness and the greatness of your love. Now nothing is holding me back from you, Redeemer of my soul. Now nothing can hold me back from you. you died you rose again for us that you're here for us you're here for us through our trials and you're here to see us through the trials God I pray that we lean back in your promises lean back in your presence and rely on you to get us through these trials that we're going through in Jesus name amen thanks for worshiping with us Hi, welcome to Renewal. We're so glad that you could join us today. Before Pastor Jared joins us to share a brief message, we have a few things that we want you to know about. Every week we ask that everyone fills out the connection card. This way we know who's here and we know how we can help you take that next step. So throughout the service today, click on the online connection card and fill it out. Hey, we want to spread this message of hope with as many people as possible, and we can only do that with your help. 
So right now, take a couple minutes, pull out your phone, and send the link to this online service to people on your phone, uh, through your story, through your feed, and share the message of hope of Jesus with as many people as possible. We know that one message can make a difference, and we're so excited to see how many people learn about the hope found in Jesus. Earlier this week, the governor of Massachusetts released some guidelines about churches meeting. And with this in mind, our church has decided to continue meeting online. And so we'll have two services at 10.30 and 11.30 on Sundays. We know that church isn't just what happens inside of a building, but we long for the day when we can be together again as a family, physically together, and worship God. Until then, know that we pray for you every single night and that when we finally do get together, it is going to be a party. And so we hope that you're excited and we hope that you know that we pray for you every single night. With that in mind, let's go ahead and spend some time in prayer before Pastor Jared joins us. God, we thank you so much for your love, God. We thank you that you are with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us. Holy Spirit, we invite you in open our eyes, open our minds and our hearts to receive the message that you have for us today. Transform us, renew us, and make us more like your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Hi there, thank you for watching Renewal Church Online. My name is Jared Kirk, I'm the lead pastor of Renewal. So glad that you're joining us. Hey, before we jump into the content today, I wanted to give you a real quick update on what's happening with the church. Governor Charlie Baker and Mayor Marty Walsh gave some guidance this week on churches reopening. And the long and the short of it is, Renewal Church is going to continue meeting online only for the time being. Now, we know that we're going to be open again in person by this fall. We hope to set a date for you soon and share that with you so that we'll have an end date to this. But the guidance they gave us said that when you come to church, uh, you can't talk to anybody before or after the service, and you're not supposed to sing. So at a certain point, it's like, man, you know, now doesn't seem like the right time to reopen. But that day is coming, and in the coming weeks, the elders are working on a reopening plan. That's myself and Adam Leonards and Ken Gilming that might include some opportunities for us to gather together safely, whether that's in a park or something like that. So just keep watching, keep listening, and we will keep you updated to the best of our ability. I know for some of you, that's not the news you were hoping for. I, I wanna see you, and I know you wanna see your friends, but that day is coming, so hold on, and we'll get through it together, okay? Now today, we are talking about getting tricked. We're talking about getting fooled, and I wanted to share with you, before we start, my all-time least favorite prank. Go ahead and take a look. Yes, they do. 10000 Wait, so you got to do 10000 Wait, wait, wait. Get three of a can. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Look at him. Yes, it is. Oh! Oh! Uh-oh. 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 Uh-oh.
Okay. Must be sent by mail or in person. Or in person to the money fair. You take it up there to the person. Okay. Man, if that was my family, I might trade them in for another family. If you ever do that to me, I will murder you. It's just not fun when you get tricked by someone else. But even worse than that is when you fool yourself. I studied biomedical engineering in college. And so when I graduated, I went and got a job at a hospital, even though I was trying to help a group of friends start a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And one of the guys that I worked there with had an issue with alcohol. On the weekends, he would get blackout drunk, but during the week, he didn't drink at all. And he convinced himself that since he wasn't an alcoholic, he didn't need to drink every day, that therefore, he didn't have a problem with alcohol. Well, that was until he got a DUI and had to show up in front of a judge. And all of a sudden, that foolish decisions came rushing in, and they sent him to an alcohol treatment program, an awareness program, and he came in to work one day. And I remember he said, clear as day, he said, I realize now that just because I'm not an alcoholic doesn't mean that I don't have a problem with alcohol. You know, he had deceived himself, and the truth came rushing in painfully and quickly. You know, deceiving yourself or tricking yourself is actually something that can happen spiritually, too. And it's the kind of thing that happens in every church in America, in every church across the world. It's the kind of thing that happens every single Sunday in seats and in pews, everywhere where people worship. And it's not this uh, nefarious thing where the prince of darkness blinds the minds. Like, it's not that kind of thing. It's so ordinary. It's so subtle. It happens all the time. Whenever someone hears God's word, there's there's a chance that you could be tricked. And here's how it happens. If you put yourself in a position where you hear the word of God, but you don't do what it says, according to the Bible, we'll see this today, that you could be tricking yourself, that it's actually when it comes to hearing God's word, that it's doing that makes all the difference, that application makes all the difference. Here's how that works. Every one of us knows someone who's a Christian. Now, maybe you're a person of faith. Maybe you're still exploring Christianity, but you know someone who's a Christian. And we all know someone Who's, a, who's put their faith in Jesus, but they still treat people pretty horribly. They're still, they're still basically a self-centered person. Their, their words are harsh and cutting. They just don't love people well, but they know lots and lots of the Bible, and so they've convinced themselves that they're a spiritually mature person. Listen, when it comes to the Word of God, it's not hearing that makes the difference. It is doing that makes all the difference. And if you understand this and get this into place in your life, this is the thing that when you encounter God's word, it can actually change you. It can change your marriage. It can change your finances. It can change your parenting. It can change everything about you. Those destructive habits that you've longed for so long, like God set me free from this. God can change that when you understand that it's not hearing that makes the difference. It is doing that makes the difference. And if you don't get this, that's how you end up as a hypocrite. Because you say, I believe, I believe, I believe, but nothing ever changes. And no one wants to end up as a hypocrite. Now, 
James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he talked about this exact thing, and he, he teaches us in his book, it's got his name, it's called James, how we can live a, a life of life-giving faith that actually changes us so that we're not fooling ourselves or tricking ourselves. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He, he didn't follow Jesus during his earthly ministry, but something changed for James, and it happened when Jesus rose from the dead. Because what would you have to do to convince your brother or your sister that you were the sinless son of God who died for the sins of the world? Well, what might help is if you predicted your own death and resurrection and then you pulled it off because that's what Jesus did and that's when James started following him. Now, James became a leader of the earliest church in Jerusalem. And this was a church that faced persecution. They were going through a big trial. And James wants to make sure that they have the kind of faith that is life-giving, that's gonna get them through the trials that they're facing. And the great thing about this is, you know, you and I, we are all going through a trial right now. The coronavirus and quarantine, it is a trial. And for some of you, it's a relational trial. It's an isolation trial. It's a financial trial. It's a mindset and anxiety and depression trial. It is a trial of the human spirit. And when we hear James talking about the kind of faith that can get those early believers through the hard times, we find the kind of faith that can get us through the hard times too. And here's what James had to say about a life-giving faith that actually changes your life. Listen in. James chapter one, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, a couple things I want to point out to you from this passage. The first one is that according to James, all you have to do to deceive yourself is nothing. If you want to fool yourself, if you want to trick yourself, all you have to do is nothing. Because if you hear the word and you read the Bible or you, you, you come to church or you watch church and you hear someone talk and you're hearing and you're hearing and you're hearing and you walk away and don't do anything about it, according to James, he says, you're deceiving yourself. Now, this is so characteristic of James. James is a drop the hammer on people kind of guy. And so his language is always like, you're deceiving yourself. It's sort of like, you know, what kind of idiot thinks? You know, it's sort of like that. And so it's so heavy when it lands on us. But he says, if you do nothing, you're deceiving yourselves. And then he uses this example, this illustration of a mirror. And, and here's why he uses the mirror illustration. Because it's like you wake up in the morning, and you gotta go to work, so you go look in, in the mirror. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're a mess. So your hair is crazy, right? And you've got spinach in your teeth and your tie is crooked and you just, you look like an absolute mess. And so you look in the mirror and you don't change anything. You just go, well, honey, I'm off to work. See you later. And you walk into the office and when people see you, they're like, bro, are you okay? Like, you look horrible. And you're like, yeah, I'm fine. I looked at myself in a mirror this morning. You see, James's point is, the reason he brings up the mirror is because that's not what a mirror's for. You don't just see yourself, you see yourself so that you can change things. And his point is this, the word of God works the exact same way. You know, when you, when you come to church or you watch church and you listen or you read your Bible in the morning, it reflects you back. 
And this is one of the reasons why church attendance is so powerful. So many people don't know why they, why they even go to church because every time you hear it, it reflects your life back to you. And so you may hear about Jesus and, and, and realize, oh my, you know, something's a little off there. I'm, I don't care for the poor quite the same way that Jesus does. You know, my hair is askew. Or you might say, you know what, when it comes to the people who are under me, like, like children or employees, I'm harsh with my speech, not gentle yet firm the way that Jesus was. And, and so I think there's an adjustment that needs to be made there. And James' point with the word is if you just hear that and your, your, yourself is reflected in that, but you don't change anything, that that's not what the word is for. You're not just hearing it so that you can see yourself. You're hearing it so that you can make the adjustments because when it comes to God's word, it is doing that makes all the difference. Application makes all the difference. But the only thing you have to do to trick yourself is nothing. Here's the second thing I want to point out. Living the law brings freedom. James talks about it like this. He says, uh, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, they'll be blessed in what they do. Have you ever had a run-in with the law? Maybe you got, had an encounter with the police or you got pulled over for a speeding ticket. Have you ever had an encounter with the law and walked away and thought to yourself, man, I just feel so much more free now that that happened? I mean, that is not how it works. But James is talking about something that all of the New Testament authors are talking about. See, James grew up as a Jew. He knew about all the laws and regulations that Jesus knew about. And he also knew that his brother Jesus had simplified all of the Judaic law down to one command. Jesus said this, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And that's it. And so much of the New Testament are, are the, the, the earliest followers of Jesus applying that principle to all of life, whether it's marriage or finances or work or whatever it is. As Jesus has loved you, so you must love one another. That's the law. And according to James, that law actually sets you free. Here's the crazy thing about the law of love. It actually works. If you are enslaved to debt, but you change the way that you manage your money so that you, you manage it like Jesus and you're generous like Jesus, you will be free from worry about your finances. If you are enslaved in anxiety and worry, but you start to think like Jesus does and you start to pray like Jesus does, you will be set free from anxiety and worry. If you're enslaved to destructive habits, but you start to live like Jesus does and rely on his father like Jesus does, you will be set free from destructive habits. And if you're enslaved in unhealthy relationships, which is a big one for so many of us, if you start to love in those relationships the way that Jesus did, you will be set free and in some case released from completely from unhealthy relationships. When you follow the law, it brings you freedom. But it's only when you do the law. It's when you make the changes in your life because application makes all the difference. Doing makes all the difference. That's when you find freedom. And here's the last thing I want to point out to you from what James says here. He points out that blessing comes from doing. I love where he lands the plane in this passage. He says, you know, if you look intently into the perfect law and you continue in it, he says, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, you might have grown up in a sort of Christian environment where this actually wasn't taught, 
where, where it was all about attendance. So you could hear as much as possible. You had to go to Sunday school and then you had to go to the big church service and then you had to go to Sunday night. And then there was Tuesday night visitation. There was Wednesday night church. There was Thursday night prayer. And they wanted you in the building hearing as much as humanly possible. And you know whose fault this is? It's pastors like me just wanting to get people in the building to hear and hear and hear and hear. In fact, so much of uh, Christian culture is just about hearing the word, not about doing it. In fact, if you were going to go to a midweek kind of group meeting, they would say, hey, why don't you come to my Bible study, right? They don't say, hey, why don't you come to my group where we apply the Bible? They call it a Bible study. What's that thing called that in traditional churches they do before the service? They go, hey, why don't you come to my Sunday school class? It's called school. It's called a class because it's all about studying. But according to James, just hearing, hearing, hearing is not where the blessing is found. It's in the doing. And I want to be really careful here because I get, I get so passionate about this. This shapes so much of what I believe it means to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This is so much of what shapes our whole idea of how ministry works at Renewal Church that I don't want to come off condemning, but I just have, I have a lot of passion around it. And here's what I really, here's what I really, I think, here's what I believe. If you know the whole book of Revelation inside and out, but you don't love your spouse well, what good is that? If you could tell me what all seven bold judgments are and and the times and the dates of the prophecies of Daniel, but you're harsh and demanding with the people who are closest to you? Is that the way of Jesus? You see, maturity in the Christian life is about effortlessly doing what Jesus would do if he were in your position. And it is application that makes all the difference. And if you constantly put yourself in a place where you're hearing, 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 but never doing, It's so easy to trick yourself or fool yourself into thinking, I'm good. I heard today. I went, I attended, you know, and and I even felt a little bit guilty. That's like a bonus, right? Like, so I'm good. I heard. Some of you grew up in environments where they put you through a class to make make sure you heard everything you needed to hear. They even gave you a certificate at the end. They had a party. There was a white dress. There was a cake. And they said, good, you've now heard everything you need to hear. You are good. But the problem with that is that so often, the more we hear, they're trying to get us to believe the right things and avoid sin. And it just turns you into a Pharisee. It doesn't make you righteous. It makes you self-righteous. It's when you obey that royal law of Jesus to love others the way that he has loved you that you find freedom because doing makes all the difference. Now, I want to share with you a video that I filmed this week with a friend of mine who grew up in a Christian environment, but something shifted in his life when he came to Boston. And so I want you to hear from him directly. I hope this is a blessing to you. David Dinius, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's good to have you, man. Hey, I was hoping people could hear from you because, you know, you're one of these guys that, um, you know, you grew up in a Christian environment. You heard a lot about the word and you heard about God, but then a little bit later in your life, God did a different thing. I was hoping you could share with people a little bit about what was it like growing up where you, where you heard about the word and about God all the time? Yeah, uh, well, absolutely. I, I definitely grew up in an environment where 
uh, faith and religion were a large component in who my family was and in a lot of ways still is today. Uh, my mother and father were uh, large contributors to the church in my, my hometown back in Charleston. My mom sings in the choir, volunteers countless hours for the church. My dad volunteers in the tech ministry. Um, and that's just like how I got introduced to uh, my church and, and Jesus. Uh, you know, um, as a child, I, I knew about Jesus. I would attend services on Sunday. I, uh, my sister and I would uh, sing and play and, and uh, contribute to worship. Um, I knew uh, my own understanding of what sinning was and uh, that it was wrong. Uh, at least I felt that way. And um, the overarching answer to this is, yeah, I, I definitely grew up in an environment where Jesus was a concept. And I, I understood from what I what I remember uh, that um, Jesus was uh, part of my faith, I yeah. guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, but uh, also you share with me that along the way that when you moved to Boston, things really shifted for you. So what, what happened there? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there, was, there was a big shift in my life when I moved to Boston. I noticed that um, I had moved with the hope and plan for myself to follow my dreams and pursue to uh, music um, and go to Berkeley. And that was, that was me. That was my plan. <laughs> Little did I know that God was going to use my move to Boston to change uh, the entire trajectory of my own life. Um, I was uh, moving in 2016 and in that summer at renewal, um, I was sitting in the congregation listening to you preach on first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out that you can endure. So there it was spelled out for me, right? <laughs> I heard God allowed all of us to be tempted, no different than any other, and that God is faithful so much for my temptation would never be more than I could handle. That's incredible. Um, you know, when I understood what that was in my life uh, and where I was uh, in that moment, I could feel... Uh, a shift. Uh, I could feel the weight of my past uh, being released. Um, it, it's it's something that it, it's uh, a gift. It's just grace. It's absolutely nothing I could do about it. And from the bottom of my heart, I knew that things had changed. And uh, Jesus was like very clearly uh, the master of my salvation. And from that moment, everything was different. Yeah. I love that, bro. That's incredible. Um, you know, today in the message, we're talking a little bit about people who have heard of Jesus or who even believe in Jesus, but they haven't really surrendered their life to him. If, if there's people like that listening, what would you say to them? Yeah, um, I have like a, a, a decent idea, like, of how to say this. Like, I, as a Christian, sometimes you think, like, what would you tell somebody if it could change the, their life the way yours has been changed? Um, I would have to say this. Uh, it's about relationship with him. It's about his love for you. Uh, Pastor Timothy Keller said this once. Only when your heart experiences love from a new source beyond anything it's ever known before will your heart start to move towards that source. And for me, that's 100% true. For me, I love Jesus so much that all I want to do with my life is glorify God in every facet of my being. And with my money, with my health, with my relationships, my jobs, my habits, some of you might think this is crazy, uh, becoming a slave to something or someone invisible, but it's the most freeing thing that I understand. I, I love Christ the way that he loved me unconditionally, and that transform, that's transformative in my life, and 
um, you know, I would, I would pray that you'd feel that kind of love uh, and that you would be able to submit yourself in a way that frees you that way. Bro, you're, that's incredible. You're, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm all in, man. You got me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, hey, it's thank you. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing with everybody today. I know that's going to be a blessing. Hey, I'm hoping we'll do another one of these on a day when we talk about financial freedom. Can we come back and get your story on that some other day? Definitely. Yeah. I'd love to. All right. Love you, bro. Catch you soon. Love you too, man. Thank you so much to David Dinius. It's so awesome to have him as a part of our church. You know, one of the biggest objections that people have to this idea that doing makes all the difference or that application makes all the difference is Jesus himself often used the language of believe. He would say, believe in me, believe in me, believe in me. And belief seems to be about what happens up here. But think about this for just a second. When Jesus said, believe in me, he obviously didn't mean believe that I exist because he was talking to people who were standing there looking at him. He also didn't mean believe that I'm uh, the son of God who can do miracles because the people were watching him do that. That was not the kind of belief that he meant. No, when Jesus said, believe in me, he meant put your trust in me and come follow me. That's the invitation of Jesus again, over and over. Follow me, follow me, follow me. And when you put that belief into action, when you trust him enough to obey him, that's when you find blessing. He said this, Jesus did in John 13, 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So I wanna talk about three applications that James gives of this principle. They're, they're kind of areas of life where we're, it's too easy to trick ourselves. And we often find ourselves not doing, but just thinking about it. But before we dig into those three areas, we need to talk about the biggest application of this principle that could change your entire eternity. You know, there's, there's a difference between hearing about Jesus and believing in Jesus and then actually following him and surrendering to him. And I, I, I think of it as the difference between a Christian and a Christ follower. And so let me kind of parse out the difference for you between a Christian and a Christ follower. A Christian is someone who believes in Jesus, but I'm still following my own will for my life and my own plan. A Christ follower also believes in Jesus, but I'm someone who has surrendered my will to the will of the Father. I, I'm, it's a person who says, not my will, but thy will be done. A Christian is someone who believes that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. But a Christ follower is someone who's willing to pick up their cross and follow Jesus. A Christian is someone whose identity comes from their family. They say, well, I was born into a Christian family, so I'm a Christian. But a Christ follower is someone whose identity comes from this fact that they were adopted into God's family. And so they say, I'm a child of God because I personally have a relationship with him. A Christian is someone who obeys out of fear or guilt. I don't want to be punished by God. I don't want to feel bad about it, so I obey. But a Christ follower is someone who knows how much God has done for them and how much he's forgiven them. And so you obey out of joy and gratitude in your soul. A Christian is someone who is baptized to submit to your parents' will or your church's will. I mean, think about it. If you were a baby, were you surrendering your will to the will of the Father? No, you were just following the will of your parents or the will of your church. But a Christ follower is someone who has been baptized in order to show that I'm surrendering my will to Jesus' will. And as you hear that, you know, what category would you put yourself in? It's possible that you've heard and heard and heard and heard about Jesus and you even believe in Jesus. You believe that Jesus died for the sins of the world and rose again. But it's actually doing that makes all the difference. Have you ever, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, 
put your trust in him and said, I want to follow you. I want you to be the leader of my life. You lay down your will and live according to his will and his plan for your life. Because it's really doing that that makes all the difference in your eternity. You know, some of you know that God is speaking to you today and that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And you know, and I've... I'm not living according to his will. I'm still living out my, my best plan for my best life. And, it's, and it hasn't worked for me. It's time to follow him. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. At the end of the message, I'm going to pray a prayer. And you can pray with me to verbalize your faith, to put it into words, to say, God, I need you. I need to lay down my life and follow you. I've been a Christian, but I need to be a Christ follower. Now, before we get to that moment, let me share with you the three areas that James shares. These, James shares these to people who have already taken that step to put their faith in Jesus. Here's the three areas James says, hey, watch out, that, because doing makes all the difference. The first one is, I watch how I speak. James says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. I mean, again, strong words from the apostle James. But if you cannot control your tongue, then don't pretend that you are a super spiritual person, right? Your, your tongue is so powerful. Are you harsh to the people who are underneath you? Are you loving? Are you encouraging and uplifting with your words? Or when you fight, do you bring up things from five years ago, 10 years ago? Do you bring up the past or have you forgiven? Are you cutting people down? Do you use sarcasm to get your point across? How do your words reflect how Jesus has loved you. Now, if this is kind of the area you need to hone in on and pay attention to, I want you to try this out. Someone that you love, someone who, who you've got a tight relationship, could be an employee, but it could be, it could be just someone that you live with. Ask them this question this week. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? What is it like when I talk to you? What is my speech like? Because guess what, if you ask them, Buckle your seatbelt because they will tell you. James says, you got to watch how you speak. Here's the other area where we've got we've to make sure that application is happening. I care for the vulnerable. James in verse 27 says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. So I have to care for the vulnerable. And I think the reason that we're so liable to deceit on this is because there's a very big difference between feeling sympathy and showing compassion. You know what I mean by that? It's so easy to feel sympathy, but to actually be moved to the place where it touches your wallet <laughs> or it affects your calendar and how you're spending your time, that's really where the rubber meets the road on this one. Now, I'm really proud of our church in this. I mean, our church has been incredibly generous when it comes to giving to the coronavirus relief fund. And just, you know, pastoring a church that's this generous, it brings, as the pastor, it brings me so much joy and life. And it's, it, it, sometimes it's fun because like we see a need that happens in the world and we say like, yeah, absolutely. We can help meet that need because our people are so generous. And, and so it brings me a lot of joy. Our church does this well. But here's the question for you. When you think about the week coming up ahead, is there a place where your sympathy is getting changed into compassion, which is love in action? So am I caring for the vulnerable? And here's the last area where James says, it's not enough just to hear this. You got to take some action is I keep myself pure. 
he finishes his last sentence by saying this that when he was talking about true religion. He says, and you have to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Again, strong words from James, right? Have you ever showed up on Sunday but lived like hell all week? Maybe you've shown up to church hungover. Well, I want you to know this. You are always welcome at Renewal Church. But I also want you to know this. God cares about what happens during the week too. You know, if you just show up on church and say, well, I heard some things, so now I'm good. No, man, God cares about your whole life. He wants your whole life to be transformed by the good news and the hope of Jesus Christ. And so the way that I like to think about this, like how do you take action in this area? Most of us actually know. Most of us know that there's one thing or two things that maybe we shouldn't be putting into our body through our, through our eyes or our ears or our mind. And so you have to make the choice and say, this week, I'm going to ruthlessly eliminate something from my life that interferes with my connection with God or my ability to love people. Ruthlessly eliminate. Jesus once said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, right? So we're talking about ruthlessly eliminating that one thing. And maybe you need to write it down, share it with a really trusted friend, someone from a community group or a Christian brother and sister that can hold you accountable. Put it somewhere where you, only you can see it, slide it in your Bible or put it on your phone and ruthlessly eliminate that thing that is keeping you from connecting with your father or loving other people well. But you've got to keep yourself pure because thinking about it isn't going to help you. It is doing that makes all the difference. Well, that's it for today, friends. Application makes all the difference. Doing makes all the difference. But before we're done, I promised you I was going to circle back around because I believe that there are some of you who are watching today and you just feel like God speaking to you, like the Holy Spirit was speaking to you today, saying, you know, you've heard a lot about Jesus. You, you believe that Jesus exists. You, you may believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. But it's time to do something about it. To come to God and say, God, I need your help because me living according to my will and my plans, it, it hasn't worked for me. And I want to give you the chance to put that faith into words today. And so what I'm going to do is pray and I want to invite you to pray to make this prayer your prayer. So wherever you are, I know you're probably home in your living room, unless you're driving your car, wherever you are, I'd like to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. Because you can make this prayer your prayer and it could change your whole eternity. Because it's not hearing about Jesus that makes the difference. It's doing that makes all the difference. So make this your prayer. Father, I realize that I need you in my life. I realize that I'm a sinner and I am sorry for trying to live my way, living apart from your plan. I want to live your way, but I know that I need Jesus to do it. God, I believe that Jesus is the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. I want to live for you. Would you come into my life and forgive my sins and give me the power to change today and make heaven my home. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you prayed that prayer today, congratulations. It's a big moment for you. That is an eternity 
changing, life-shaping moment, especially if it starts you on a path where doing makes all the difference. Now, to everyone who's watching today, I wanna invite you to come back next week and I wanna ask you to continue to share the links for this, especially right before we watch it together. So next Sunday, 30 minutes before we watch, make sure and share the link online. Put it in your bio, put it in your story, make sure and share it out there with other people because it's gonna be helpful. We ask everyone who's watching to fill out a connection card, whether you're prayed to, prayed to follow Christ for the first time today or the first time in a long time or whether you're just tuning in from somewhere else in the world. It helps us to know where you're coming from and how we can pray for you. And I will see you next week as we continue our series, Triumph Through Trials, reading in the book of James. God bless and have a great week. I hope that throughout the service, you were able to learn, grow, and be strengthened in your faith. If this was helpful for you, consider inviting a friend to join you online next week through a text message before the service starts. Before you go, we'd like to remind you to fill out the online connection card so we can stay connected throughout the week. If you're not sure about your relationship with God, we want you to know that God loves you and has an incredible plan for your life. If you want to learn more about starting a relationship with God, click the button for prayer requests and one of our hosts will be with you. Thank you so much for joining us and we hope to see you next week. May God continue blessing you and showing you more of his love, presence, and grace.